Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. This is Market View. Good morning. Asia Pacific markets trending higher this morning following a strong session on Wall Street on Friday. Sydney is up 1.3%. Tokyo is up 1%. Seoul is in the green as well. Investors have their eyes on Russia, which has reportedly defaulted on its foreign currency debt for the first time in more than 100 years. Joining me now is we break down all the market action. How's the weekend, Ryan Huang? Hey, pretty fantastic, Michelle. How was yours? Really good, restful. What you? What were you up to? So I'm a big fan of old school pasar malam. So there's one going on at mm. Tampines MRT. So we had a chance, the family, to just hit there for all the carnival games and all the usual food and snacks. So a uh, very nice family outing. That sounds what did you get up to? fabulous. So there was a Portuguese gastronomy festival, and part of my roots stem from Portugal. So me and the family headed down, and we were tucking in. What's that like, Portuguese? Food. Uh, lots of seafood. I like to taste the sea, so lots of octopus and clams. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> mixed with some now. curry sauce as well, so all really good. Uh, and did you try a Romney burger? Yes, I did. Was it good? Uh, it does not <laughs> taste as good as I remember. I'm not sure why. Maybe my taste buds have evolved. <laughs> so yeah. uh, maybe I'll try it again another time. Not the first time I've heard that. All right, we move from food to our weekly look at local share buybacks and insider trades, which companies are buying back their own shares and which directors are taking bullish positions on their own businesses. The three companies that topped last week's share buyback list by far are the agribusiness Wilma International, Keppel Corp and OCBC. Wilma and Keppel each purchased more than $20 million worth of their own shares. OCBC coming in third place with $11 million worth of share buybacks. Other companies on the list bought back $2 million worth of shares or less. Now, Wilma Keppel and OCBC are in diverse business sectors. Wilma focuses on agriculture and food. Keppel known for property, energy and offshore and marine businesses, while OCBC, of course, finance. The Singapore market, meanwhile, has been in a correction. STI still about 10% off its peak. So could these share buybacks by these three diverse companies represent a bullish sign for the local market, Ryan? Yeah, Michelle, that's one way to look at it. So if you look at the STI generally, uh, we are looking at markets lingering near one-year lows. Right now, the STI at 3,125. So we are seeing, if you look at it in some sense, a good value for some investors to get in. And for these companies, they believe that companies have long-term value um, and further upside to go. So I think that's one reason fueling the buybacks by these companies. But you have to remember as well, uh, they are invested in themselves in the long term. So they have the time to wait it out until things bounce back. And the other thing you have to bear in mind is we are now in a bear market. So when things go down, they can continue going down further. And that's what's called you know, how we can hit a lower low and how the buying on the dips play does not work as well as in a bear market. So it is something you have to bear in mind if you're going into the markets this time around while on the dips, it is something that you have to be ready to wait out a longer time. 
If we look at share prices of Wilma, Keppel and OCBC, Wilma is only one of the three to make a gain last week. It rose 1%. If we take a longer term view, Wilma and OCBC are in the red for the year, but shares of Keppel are up nearly 30%. Let's turn to director deals now and the company that pops out at me first is Propnex. It's Singapore's largest listed property agency and one of its executive directors, Kelvin Fong, has been buying in at an average price of $1.63 per share. That's actually about 11 cents above Propnex's current trading price. What do you make of Fong's purchases? Yeah, if you've um, visited your social media platforms, you probably have seen his face. Calvin Fong, he is one of the more high-profile executives at Propnex and he is in charge of the group's training development curriculum as well as the development of IT strategies and tech innovations to help Propnex become more competitive. So he's a big trainer for Propnex executives. So he's bought more shares to the tune of 101,100 shares, average price $1.63. So this brings his stake up to 8.73% from 8.71%. And he has been growing that stake since February 2019 when it was 7.63%. So something seeing, that's seeing uh, Calvin Fong just reinvesting in. Another company that is attracting attention is Oil Tech International. It works with vegetable oils and is a renewable energy provider. Now, one of Oil Tech's executive directors, who is also CEO of Co-Brothers, has a larger stake in the business today than he did a week ago. What's the latest here? Right, we are talking about the managing director and group CEO of Co-Brothers. So, Ko Keng Xiang has brought up his interests to 68.14% from 67.44%. So that is uh, pretty much how the deal is uh, playing out. And this is something I think he sees value in because Oiltech is in three growth businesses, which include the edible and non-edible oil refinery segment, renewable energy segment, and product sales and trading segment. So we have been seeing oil tax revenue grow 15% um, in the past year from FY20, uh, mainly due to new projects. And this is also something I think he recognizes and he is raising his stake where he sees um, the value right now. Shares of oil tech were flat last week. They are down about 9% over the past three months. I want to zoom out now, take a look at broader markets. U.S. stocks enjoyed a big rally on Friday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average jumped more than 800 points to reclaim the 31,500 level. That's a 2.6% gain. Tech stocks did even better. The Nasdaq rose more than 3%. That said, U.S. stocks are still on target for their worst first half year in decades. Ryan, as we approach the end of June, asset managers are likely to reshuffle their positions. So what impact do you think this could have on the week ahead? Yeah, typically at the end of the quarter, end of the season when it comes to wrapping things up, we see fund managers, investment managers readjusting their portfolios to rebalance it, to just meet their mandates, to also allocate the cash they're supposed to be doing and just make their portfolios look pretty. So something that is likely to happen in the coming week and it could be a boost for markets where we see them buying up stocks and just lifting markets further. So if you look back in history, uh, if you look at what JP Morgan is 
looking at in terms of data, in the past, that has seen a 7% surge in the last week when it comes to the effect of rebalancing. So if you look at the previous quarter, the first quarter, the market was down about 10% and we saw markets in the last week up 7%. So perhaps the same thing could happen again. So something to keep in mind, positive momentum in the near term at least, uh, but question mark is how long that will last. Mm, what else is on your radar for the week ahead? Okay, so one thing to watch out for is we are just watching out for the next earnings season to come through around the corner. Um, the banks, the major US banks will be reporting in the middle of July. Uh, before that, we could be seeing companies, not just banks, many of them across the board, talking, hinting, and maybe giving profit warnings about what is to come in their report cards. So that could be a precursor of what to expect in the numbers. So we have things playing out like higher labor costs, supply chain disruptions, the Ukraine war, higher commodity costs. So many factors that could come into play that could just prompt companies to be more cautious and to prepare their investors for maybe tougher report cuts to come. So something that could just lead into driving market sentiment downwards if things are negative. That's one to watch out for. And of course, there will also be something that feeds into the monetary policy settings for the central banks. When you have businesses not doing so well, it does give another data point for them to digest. You know, do they mm. need to you know, fund load as much as they need because they need to take care of the economy as well. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And we have earnings this week to watch out for. Tonight, Nike, there'll be one interesting one to watch out for. If you cast your mind back to the previous quarter, they had a pleasant surprise when it came to earnings, beating expectations. Uh, but since then, we've got their share price down about 20%. So this time around, we are watching out for the same familiar themes. Um, they managed to beat supply chain issues last time. We'll see if they can keep that up. Also, inflationary pressures, can their strategy to overcome that continue to bear fruit? So those two issues, plus the business in China, will that be um, softening where we've been hearing about lockdowns, the tightening of purse strings in China? Will that play through for Nike? And on top of the stronger US dollar where earnings overseas could be eroded. So we've got a lot of themes that Nike could be um, playing up or talking about that could be lending the similar narrative to other companies to watch out for. And it's going to be quite busy. Uh, we've got the G7 underway. And this week, we've got the NATO summit to watch out for. Pile it on, Ryan. Ooh, and the ECB <laughs> forum. Um, and also, the big data point I think mm. I'll just flag is the inflation data coming through from the US in the yes. form of the PCE price index. So that is coming through on Thursday. That is a big key data point that the Fed watchers to see how much aggressive um, policy settings they need to um, adjust for. Now, the end of the week may be a light trading week for some, though. Hong Kong is on holiday on Friday for the July 1st commemoration of the city's return to China 25 years ago this week. And in the U.S., traders are going to be prepping for the 4th of July, Independence Day holidays. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Russia has reportedly defaulted on its foreign debt the first time. And this has happened in more than a century. Now, Bloomberg says a grace period on two euro bond coupons has expired. Russia disagrees. Phyllis Sinrein. Yeah, so this is something that is making the news and we've seen it coming uh, because... 
this is the 30-day grace period expiring. So Russia, formerly now in default uh, because it could not pay up for that um, interest payment that was due May 27th. This is for the tune of about $100 million. So it has defaulted for the first time in a century. The effect of lots of sanctions, just shutting down payment routes to do so. So one of the things is it can't use its foreign currency holdings. No, And that is something that Russia has been complaining is unfair. They have the money in the form of rubles and other assets, but they can't use it to pay up. So it is complaining that it is being forced to what's called an artificial default. So this is pretty much largely symbolic right now because Russia cannot borrow internationally at the moment. So a default doesn't really uh, has, have much consequences for Russia right now, at least. Uh, it also has the riches from oil and gas revenue to get it by in this um, current time right now. So it's mainly a bit of a stigma when it comes to the future where it could raise the borrowing costs and the premium when it comes to having to get money from the capital markets in future. So for now, no big impact, but a bad label. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin, and you're listening to Your Money right here on Money FM 89.3. Next up this morning, I'd like to turn to the commodity markets, especially metals. It seems like not that long ago, we were talking about how copper prices were at record levels. Other metals seem to be surging too. They were, but now the picture is completely different. A Bloomberg headline puts it this way. Metals haven't crashed this hard since the Great Recession. So what's happened, Ryan? Yeah, it wasn't too long ago when we were watching metal prices, commodities just shooting up and we were talking about a commodity super cycle where things were expected to last for a few years. Um, that was, of course, after the pandemic eased up and people were just you know, buying up stuff with the recovery in mind. But then things, of course, took a turn for the worse where we now have concerns about a recession companies and businesses and countries cutting back on spending. So that's weighing down on metal prices. So copper has now entered into a bear market after a record just four months ago. Mm. Tin is tumbling 21% after its worst week in nearly 40 years. So that's a reflection of how things have come off for metal. So do you think there are opportunities now in metals? Okay, it's a tough one because you need to have a very optimistic um, outlook on how things could go because you've got a couple of headwinds in the form of China. Um, they are now a big reason why demand and demand outlook for metals is going down. First is property. That's not super bright right now because of the Evergrande situation still playing out, consumers cutting back, interest rates going up, people just not buying as much property as before, and that's an impact on construction and all things metal. Uh, that's one. And if China does recover, the theory is it might not be enough because other major economies, other countries might also be a bit pessimistic when it comes to the outlook and also cut back. So you might need a more wider trend of things turning around, not just China. And this is going to be something that might take a long time to play out. So it could be something to really take your time on because it's not going to be something you can see a huge rebound in the near term. 
Well, in the near term, a mining technology company called Ivanhoe Electric is going public in the U.S. this week. This would seem pretty bad timing for a company like it to go public, don't you think? Yeah, we have been hearing and seeing headlines around how companies have been shelving the IPOs uh, because of possible dents to valuation. You know, going to a market when things are uncertain, investors just jittery, cutting back on spending, not looking to just you know, put up their money for investment right now. Here you have a company trying to ask for money in the capital markets, trying to go for an IPO. The question has to be, why do you mm. need to rush to get this done? And it might be a red flag for some investors when they think about it. Hey, this is a company, um, Ivanhoe Mining, uh, trying to get money done or trying to get money raised in this uncertain, volatile environment. They are taking a huge risk right now and maybe they need to do so because they have no choice. Um, so this is something to watch out for. And if you dive into the prospectus, um, they did have a warning that there is uh, uncertainty, material uncertainty that casts substantial doubt about its ability to continue as a going concern. So maybe in previous years when things were looking better, investors would have taken a risk despite that warning. But now it is a tougher environment um, for investors and companies to uh, look at IPOs to do well. So a big red flag if you are looking at going into IPOs right now. Ivanhoe in particular is an uh, early stage copper mining play. Shifting gears now, there are a lot of Apple fans I know that listen to this show. You write to me and tell me all about it. I love reading your mails, by the way. Per capita, Singapore is one of the most popular markets for iPhones. An article on Bloomberg caught my eye this morning. It says Apple is set to embark on one of the most ambitious periods of new products in its history. So what deluge of new products is coming on later this year, Ryan? Well, besides new colours, I'm sure there's more to look forward to. So uh, I think it's a bit of a hint when we saw the Worldwide Developers Conference earlier this month where we saw a couple of operating system announcements, a couple of hardware hints, new Apple chips. So all that could come into play when we see new hardware uh, possibly being announced. And this could include four iPhone 14 models, three Apple Watch variations, several Macs with the new chips, M2, M3 chips, um, the company's first mixed reality headset to get into the metaverse, and low-end and high-end iPads, updated AirPods Pro earbuds, a home port, an upgraded Apple TV. So we can kind of tell, wow. Apple is getting serious, trying to broaden the ecosystem and lock in people even more. Got a new phone, Ryan? Thinking of one? I've been thinking of one. Um, mm. What's really getting me excited is the Metaverse Play here, the Mixed Reality Headset. So looking at what the expectations are, it could include 16 gig gigabytes of RAM. So that's quite a big chunk of memory. Um, right now, my laptop has 16, gigabits, uh, 16 gigabytes of RAM. If you compare it to what Meta has, its VR headset has only 6 gigabytes of RAM. So it's going to be interesting to see how Apple is going to get ahead of competition with this new headset. All right, things to look out for there. The Straits Times Index finished up a bit more than half a percent on Friday, enough to bring the blue chip index back into the green for the week. It finished above the 3100 mark, 3111. So how's the STI trading this morning and is it really building on those gains or is it testing resistance mm. again at the 3100 level? 
Yeah, across Asia, it's pretty green so far and the STI just going in line right now, up 0.4% at 3,123. Let's take a look at the STI constituents and pretty much mainly green. Only three counters in the red and they are Yangjijiang Shipbuilding down 2.1%, followed by DFI Retail Group down 0.3% and UOL down 0.1%. And at the top of the table, Fraser's Logistics and Commercial Trust up 1.5% at $1.37. They are in the news this morning. They have announced an acquisition of a property in the UK. This is a freehold logistics development Mm -hmm. and this will be their sixth property in the UK and their fourth one there for a logistics and industrial investment. So this raises their exposure in the UK market to 13%. So share price rising on the back of that news. Uh, Otherwise, we've got ComfortDelGro in second place, 1.5%. Genting Singapore, SC Engineering and Maple Tree Commercial Trust all up at least 1% right now. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ryan Huang there, joining me right here on Your Money. This is Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.